who will survive? Means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah, unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream. give you a show like you have never ever seen before why because i can hello everyone welcome to another special episode of the positively pro wrestling podcast i'm your host steve fountas and this week we have another awesome interview in our content creator series this time it is Graham from the website and books of the history of the WWE. The history of the WWE.com specifically is where you can find all this stuff. And it's a lot of awesome information about match history of not only WWE, but other territories and WCW. Every match result, almost ever you can think of from house shows to anything is on there. So it's definitely worth checking out and we'll get into that a lot more in our interview. If you want to follow us guys on Twitter, we're at PPW Podcast, Positively Processing Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and wherever you get your favorite podcast from, we are there. If you want to support the show, we have a couple t-shirts up on whatamaneuver.net, but really, just listen and share the show with a friend. That really is the best way to support us because the more listeners we have, the more fun it is, and I know we interact with everybody on Twitter all the time as well, so let's keep that up. And if you want to send us a note, you can DM us, PPW Podcast on Twitter, or a long note or audio note, ppwpodcast at gmail.com. If this is the first time you're listening to us, maybe you're a history of the WWE fan, you can go back in the archives. All the shows are free. A fun, nostalgic look back at our wrestling childhood. Basically, if you were born between like 79 and 89, our show is right up your alley for a wrestling fan. Talk a lot of fun, nostalgic stuff, as well as some current stuff too, but we keep it light. And as our gimmick says, we always keep it positive. I'm going to now kick it over to the interview. Again, I really hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did because if you're a wrestling geek, Graham and his website and his books are basically like crack to you. So go ahead and check them out, the history of the WWE.com. Let's kick it over to Graham. So on the line right now, we have Graham, aka the history of the WWE.com, on Twitter, on the website, on Amazon Books, lots of other fun stuff. Graham, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, this has been a fun content creator series thing we've done, and so far we've interviewed podcasters and YouTubers, uh, but this is the first uh, author, I guess you could say, we more than just an author, but uh, uh, researcher, all that stuff we've had on. So I want to talk to you a little bit about one basically how you got started, uh, maybe your history as a fan, all that stuff. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know or have never been to the website, the history of the WWE.com, there is archives of match results and attendance and just it's just so much stuff. It's kind of does injustice just to say it's just match results because it's so much more. But how did you get started? One uh, as a fan and two on to let's I'm gonna start making this incredible archive of information. I know it's a loaded question. Let's start with you being a fan first. Let's start with that. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, they're they're kind of connected. 
So I become a fan in 1992. So kind of business is down mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, I get into it really with the buildup of SummerSlam 92, which from a nostalgia standpoint, there will never be a show to top it. You know, I, I have since tracked down the original promotional poster. I've tracked down the original ticket stubs. I've, you know, like that's the show. If there's no SummerSlam 92, I don't know if I'm a fan at this point to this day. Um, so I get into it. Uh, Bret Hart, British Bulldog, those are my guys. I'm watching every week. Uh, fast forward, I guess about nine months, and that's when I start buying the magazines. That's when I discovered Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and I'm flipping through Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And uh, do you know what section I'm going to talk about? Yeah, the house show results. Right, right. <laughs> I love so, that. Thank you for so thank you for I'm, talking about it. <laughs> I'm, um, I guess I'm, I'm not even 12 years old. And I realize, wait a minute, like I just went to my first house show, but now I'm realizing that they're doing the same show in other cities with the same results, but wrestling is real, but everyone is still winning or losing no matter where they're wrestling. Um, Like all this kind of blew my mind that essentially pay-per-view shows, pay-per-view worthy shows were taking place every night of the week and so i would i would cut them out of the magazine and i would put them in little ziploc bags and and i would just like stare at them like oh my god i can't believe this show actually happened and and the only people that saw it were the people in attendance and wow like imagine being there so that's 1993 right that's that's like spring summer of 93 that i discovered pro wrestling Mm -hmm. those uh, fast forward to probably late 2001, early 2002, and I'm on AOL, and I just think, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be a place on the internet where someone has compiled all that stuff. Like, I want to know. Thinking back to when I became a fan, I want to know what what shows were taking place in my neck of the woods that I never went to. Or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I started looking around. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. There was absolutely nothing. And it blew my mind. And so probably with no more than 15 old magazines and a VHS collection that was embarrassingly large, um, I started making it. And it's funny you talk about the the PWI stuff because I remember that too. And I would meticulously look over results. And I would also I remember during the Monday Night Raw War era, they would have the ratings in there. And other than I think dirt sheets and stuff like that, which I didn't subscribe to, you couldn't find that anywhere else. So I think it's awesome that you had the same thing as I did, and as looking this up and being blown away. And you saying you started being a fan in '92, I started in '91. Again, a downtime. But for us, that like, you know, this was like our magical time to be a fan because we first discovered wrestling. So where are you from? And was WWF big where you were from? Or was it WCW? Or was it always just kind of the, the national big WWF brand for you when you were a kid? So I'm in a unique position because I grew up a military kid. Okay. Um, I lived, you know, everywhere from west germany during the cold war in the 80s to alaska during the monday night war so they weren't coming they weren't going there during the monday night war um but uh, you know what's really interesting is i found uh, once i became a fan we had all these vhs tapes from when i lived in germany 
And the only English TV station that we would get would be the Armed Forces Network. And so uh, once we got a VCR player, I started going through these old tapes to see what was on them. I found on the Armed Forces Network, they used to air Saturday night's main event. They used to air WWF superstars as far back as 86, mm-hmm. maybe even earlier. So that that's like this untapped thing that I think there's there's a there's a huge story there because everyone talks about in the 80s the national expansion. But Vince McMahon quietly had a worldwide expansion by putting his product in, in front of every military base, naval operation, yada, 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 all over the entire world. And I think that's super interesting. Yeah, and that's something I I think I like. you kind of knew that WWF was everywhere, mostly because Bret Hart tells you how big he was in Germany all the time. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that was true or not, but it seemed to be true based on videos and things like that. Uh, and also based on SummerSlam 92, how they sold out an 80,000-seat stadium when business was down in America, you could see that Europe was a big uh, thing for them. And it sounds like you explained partially why was that it was it was shown over there for so many years, so everyone kind of well, grew up with but it. it. But it was shown to the U.S. audience, yeah. right? Okay. So, so all those soldiers, all those military people would then come home, come mm-hmm. back to the U.S. Do you think they're watching WCW now? No. Do you think they're watching the AWA now? No. They're mm-hmm. they're watching what they watched when they were deployed wherever all over the world. All right. So you gave a little like super short history of how you, you started the website. Basically, simple as simple as answer was there wasn't one and I wanted it. So I made it. Uh, when you first started doing this and it's grown so much and there's so much data and so much information you've uncovered. When did you start realizing this is going to be a massive project? When you like when you first started, and did you ever think you're in over your head too deep? Like, what was that process like when you were first getting started with the website? Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I started, it was completely for selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. Like I was building it for me. I wanted to know for my own, you know, personal sake. But after a while, it only took a few months before people found it by accident, and then they started sending in, you know, information that 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 could help it, and and it snowballed, and it would snowball month after month and year after year. Um, and then I would expand it back further, you know, back to the 70s, back to the 60s, yada, yada. I think, you know, during when I was in college, I had all the time in the world to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was once I got into the real world and and that was almost 20 years ago that it became more of a burden to some respects. Uh, oh, gosh, now I have to watch two hours of Raw and two hours of SmackDown. Yeah. And all this old Crockett stuff. And so I would, you know, pick and choose a little bit. And, of course, where it is today, I hardly ever touch the WWE side. Um, so much of it is already referenced. So much of it is already – there's so much detail of it. You know, there's not a whole lot that we don't know at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, Richard Land, who a lot of folks would know on Twitter, he he runs the WWE aspect and and – what I enjoy most about it now is working on the stuff that we don't know as much about. The WCW, the Jim Crockett promotions, the Smoky Mountain, the territory time. And I think that is really fun stuff. And and I'm learning a lot pretty much every day I work on that. 
When you were first starting it, uh, was there what what sort of, I guess surprised you the most when you're reading these results, particularly like with some of the old eighty late eighties early nineties WWF when they're doing three hundred shows a year. I know for me, like when I go down a rabbit hole sometimes and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, so Jake the Snake was in the semi-main event in Chicago on Sunday in the afternoon. And Sunday night, he was in the main event in Rockford that same day. So I'm like, oh my God, he wrestled twice and drove 90 miles and stuff like, like in one day, like they kind of blew my mind. So what mm-hmm. type of stuff did you see when you were, when you were going across all these matches and everything? Really what stood out the most to me, I'm not paying attention so much to the city and the date because I find that over time, sometimes the date could be off a little bit here Mm -hmm. or there. Um, So I'm looking more at the matches that we never knew we got or, you know, I've started the website right around the same time that shoot interviews are becoming big, right? So, So it's hilarious to watch some of these old, you know, like, early 2000s shoot interviews because whether they know it or not a lot of these guys are straight up lying about stuff right and so that was that was a motivation to work on the website is to either prove what they're saying is true or disprove it completely because at the same time that they say that they're in this city doing this really I found out that they were 400 miles away Mm -hmm. doing something completely different. When you were first gathering all these like results, was it strictly PWI? Were you getting the majority of these results? Oh no. Where was it? No, no, no. It was, it was PWI. It was, I was a big fan cam guy. Okay. Like right, right when I get into college, I discover fan cams. Uh, this would have been like 99 and that blew my mind. I did not know that there was a market for that. And, and to be able to watch shows that only the fans in attendance would have been able to experience, and they were never televised, uh, or or they were dark matches at TV tapings that ended up on fan cam. I ate that stuff up. So I had a, a sizable VHS collection, um, a lot of the magazines, and then like I, that was probably that was probably the base of the website, and then over time, or I would buy more magazines. It would just grow from there. One of the things that I love, and I still do, I'm a big uh, VHS official release collector of old Coliseum videos. And uh, looking back and watching them now, I'm like, oh, this was a house show. They just threw in a Coliseum video. Yeah. Were you able to kind of figure that out along the way? Like, oh, on this super tape, you know, it looks like this is just an MSG house show that they recorded. Absolutely. And and that was a big help. Like that was some of the building blocks to the website because I had most of those Coliseum videos. Mm-hmm. So I would just go through and like, OK, this this eight man tag from the summer of 1991. Um, well, hey, hey, they actually say what city it is. So that's pretty easy to match. Um, you know, I really I really appreciate the announcers that actually tell you where they are because it makes it makes finding out the date so much easier. Yeah, for sure. And although uh, do you just trust what Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred are saying that they're in Columbus, Ohio, and not in Dayton, Ohio, or <laughs> no? Because usually, um, I noticed Sean Mooney would do it a lot. Lord mm-hmm. Alfred Hayes, when yeah. when that duo would do it, they would do it a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, no, they were pretty much always on point. That's awesome. Okay, another thing when you're doing this. Who started like jumping in to help along the way? Would you have like people volunteering, just message boards, or is it just strictly you running the show? Oh my gosh, um, hundreds, okay. hundreds, and hundreds and hundreds of people at this point. I I stopped 
keeping track probably 10 years ago, but it was, the list was so long. Um, one of the major contributors, and I've already mentioned his name is, is Richard Land. And, and he's been a huge asset since probably 2004. Um, he's been able to track down so much footage that maybe only aired overseas. Uh, so that's, that's been a huge asset and, and he's, he's got quite the Twitter following at this point. I'm so happy for him. Also on some of these results, it's not necessarily just matches. Sometimes there'll be specific things that happen. Like I know I looked up a house show I went to. I was like, I remember Shawn Michaels like moon the crowd. And then sure enough, it was in the, the recap of the results. So is that just information you're given or is it sometimes like, oh, this was on the tape. I should or this fan cam. I want to note that this something kind of out of the ordinary happened. How does that make its way into the website or even into your, some of your books? Kind of sort of like if 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 I'm watching it, then I'm keeping an eye out for things that are a little out of the ordinary. You know, if there's a guest referee or if there's a celebrity sitting at ringside or, you know, something of that, that's noteworthy. So I'll throw that in there. It adds a lot of context to the show. It does for sure. Uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, if people like me like something tangible and physical in their hands, you have a handful of physical books people can go buy uh, on Amazon or I even found one of yours at Half Price Books uh, a little while ago, which is a secondhand bookshop out here. Uh, when, how did that come about, like getting something published? And what was the reason slash decision to try to do that? So a good friend of mine by the name of Grant Sawyer approached me back in 2013. And he said, have you ever thought about doing something with this? Because the website's amazing. The website's this living organism at this point. Have you ever thought about turning that into some type of, of a book? And I said, no, but I just did. So thank you for the <laughs> idea. Let's explore that. Um, so what he and I did is uh, our first two books were basically copy-paste job from the website uh, in terms of, of WWE results. And really, it was kind of test the, the waters because just because the website's been out there for this was 2013, uh, upwards of 12 years at that point, that doesn't mean everyone's heard of it. So, you know, let's see if anyone's interested in the books. They did very well. So uh, after that, we followed with a book on Jim Crocker promotions from 83 to 88, uh, followed that with a book on WCW from... 89 to 94 and then a book on Madison Square Garden and then a book on uh, the Baltimore Arena and so as the books progress you see a lot more beyond just the match results you see photos from fans that were there interviews with wrestlers that were at these specific shows ticket stubs um, you know personal accounts and I think the best example would be Battleground Baltimore uh, because you, there are probably, I don't know, 20 or more different perspectives in that book and photos and newspaper clippings dating back to the 1960s. So it, it really became much more than just the match results. If anything, the match results kind of serve as the spine and then everything else just kind of forms the body. Yeah, and if you guys want to find any of these books, just go to Amazon, uh, type in the history of, of WWE, and Graham's books will all come up. You can just search by the author, and you can pick any one of those up uh, on Amazon. And the one thing I loved, I just picked up the Madison Square Garden one. They had a, a payout sheet in there from, from shows. 
how does that come about? Is it just somebody donating it or volunteering information to you? How do you get some of this rare stuff? I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about the payout sheet from SummerSlam 91. Yeah. Okay. So the only reason that came out, that became public record as part of the Ultimate Warriors lawsuit against the WWF. Because in his lawsuit, he said, you know, whatever the verbiage was, it was, I want to be paid as much as Hogan or I want to be paid more than Hogan, whatever. And then in the documents that were presented in the trial, it showed that salary wise or, you know, what what their payoff was for the show was accurate. However, Hogan had a, an X amount bonus added to his payout. Yeah. And, and private companies can basically do whatever they want. It's a little bit like some of these UFC fighter payouts where they report X amount to the fighter commission. And then the UFC and Dana White give, could give them whatever they want extra. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of people don't want their salaries out there, especially wrestlers who are just constantly paranoid about stuff. Um, are you familiar with uh, KB Wrestling Reviews by chance? I don't know. Okay, so I don't know you, if that rings a bell. If you're up, up for something, he's um, he's a writer at KBWrestlingReviews.com. He's reviewed every major wrestling show ever. Like he write, so it's any like if you're watching like you know bash at the beach 84 or i'm sorry 94 and you want to like see a review and his aren't like snarky but i highly recommend it so your stuff reminds me a lot of his was there's just so much information to get mm-hmm. that it's it's everything is out there and i talked to him before about it and he just said like you i just kind of started and it kept building and building and building so for you what's next is it just to continue to add into what you have or is it to look in like obscure places let's go find some you know, Eastern Championship Wrestling house show at a you know, VFW only type of thing. Like, where where do you go from here? Well, what I've what I've really been focusing on during, geez, back to March, back to to the beginning of the this whole lockdown situation, has been Jim Crocker Promotions, mm-hmm. uh, because thanks to you know, there's I've already done a book on this, but there's so much more ava- uh, information available now than there was even five six years ago. Um, thanks to the WWE Network, you know, they got full years of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. The shows are not complete. I understand that. But the shows still fill in a lot of gaps. And so one of the big things for me recently was finally tracking down. And this is after 10 years, maybe even more than 10 years, of trying to find these episodes. Do you know, do you know much about like 83, 84 Crockett? I, I mean, I'm not like an aficionado like I am 91 WWF at all, but I'm trying to learn. So go ahead with okay, it. Okay. So over the span of two weeks after Starcade 83, over the span of two weeks, Ricky Steamboat announces his retirement. Roddy Piper leaves for the WWF and Dick Slater wins the U.S. title over, this, over just two episodes. I have been searching for those two episodes for more than 10 years and just recently helped track, track those episodes down. So it's, you know, finding stuff that, that, I mean, that, that's a big deal at the time, everything that happens on those two weeks, because you've got your three top baby faces at Starcade or Ric Flair, who is now the, the NWA world champion. He's not in the territory anymore because he's traveling the world. You've got Ricky Steamboat, who just retired, and you've got Roddy Piper, who's like, you know, probably the number two babyface in the company. And he is written off television. So finding this stuff 
um, that really is pivotal, especially when it comes to the War of 84 and the major companies snatching up the top talent from all the other territories. I love seeing that stuff play out. I think the 19, just 1984 in general throughout all the territories is so fascinating because it lays the groundwork for the 80s boom and what you and I eventually would, would gravitate to in the early 90s. How do you know when you're looking for stuff if it even exists anywhere? Like, you've been looking for 10 years. How did you know this even existed? Well, it had to because it, it, it aired on television to some respect. Well, right, but I'm um, talking about, like, in, in circulation still somewhere. Oh, yeah, you don't. Okay. You don't. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. have, like, a lead, like, sound like a, you're, a, you know, a hound dog sniffing for something, but. No, yeah. no but um, I, so I tracked down a few DVD sets, you know, 10-plus years ago, and these two episodes were missing. And then – well, a few months ago, I started looking on the WWE Network for the corresponding weeks of – like I'm looking for Worldwide. And on the network, they have Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. The same weeks were missing. So it would have been largely the same content, but it's also missing from the network. As so you, it's that kind of stuff. As you've grown and you've expanded all this this detail and, and this awesome stuff for wrestling fans – and I, guys, I can't stress this enough – if you're a wrestling nerd or even just want to like go down a rabbit hole, go to the history of the WWE.com, check out some of these books. And it's, it's just fantastic. It's just, I don't know. It's just so much fun. If you're a wrestling geek, like I am, I know a lot of the listeners are as you've gone along. Has there been anybody within the wrestling business that's reached out to you or you've reached out to them about information? Oh, so many. Um, I mean, nothing recent, but I remember just a few years into working on this, um, George the Animal Steel, uh, Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant, who is a huge help to me. I love Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Michael Capetta. Jeez. Um, I'm I, thinking I, like early years. Yeah, I know you don't want to leave everybody out either, too, because so many people have helped you. Uh, has there been any pushback from maybe the WWE or someone else about you and your website and your books? No. If anything, whenever I hear from them, it's it's super complimentary and and I remember years ago before the network, I even would have some folks um, send me content, send me send me show results that they had in their vault that basically said, hey, this has this is a Atlanta Omni show from 1983. It will probably never see the light of day because there's no commentary for it. Besides your 84 tape you just talked about, what are some of your favorite like finds, you know, because. Like a lot of wrestling fans were collectors, were you're obsessive. Like when you finally find something, it's like, oh, awesome. Like what's some of your favorite ones you've been able to search for and then come across? Um, I always find them by accident because I'm not looking for them. But when I find them, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Uh, probably the two that I will always talk about when I'm asked this. Uh, one would be, like I said, the the show that sucked me in as a fan was SummerSlam 92. And shortly after starting to work on this website, I found that uh, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog had essentially a dry run match at a TV taping in June of that year. And um, just recently, over the past couple of years, the WWE released that as part of their unreleased, um, essentially like a house show, dark matches DVD set. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, that was absolutely a hidden gem. Um, another one would be... Uh, probably more than 10 years ago, um, I discovered, like everyone knows about it now, but they didn't at the time, uh, that in the fall of 1990, 
the NWA World Champion Sting faced uh, a guy by the name of Mean Mark Callis mm-hmm. at a couple house shows. Uh, yeah, Sting and the Undertaker for the NWA World Title. Um, so it's stuff like that. It's it's the the stuff that is a huge moment. Or actually, it's not a huge moment. Um, but under the right circumstances or, you know, given a few years, it absolutely would be a huge moment. Yeah. And all the huge moments everybody hears about, you know, so it's not like a surprise, but when you find Sting face the Undertaker type of thing, right. like, that's insane. It's, yeah. Granted, they're both young and it's not what we wanted, but th- that's insane. Uh, what about any, are there any current wrestlers or anything that have ever complimented you or said, hey, awesome, or even know about you? The answer is yes, but you don't have nothing, to name names. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it, nothing comes to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. But like, um, you know, in the, in the Madison Square Garden book or the the Battleground Baltimore book, all those all those uh, names in there that contributed, and there's so many like actual name talents that contributed. They're all fans. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have a good working relationship, so that that's a that's a good starting point. Yeah, and you're not necessarily throwing your opinions into this stuff either like hey this is what happened right right and and here's the timeline of it is you know it might not be amazing or super you know some crazy monumental event but you know like i said i was big in 91 wwf and i'm like wait a minute there was more than one blindfold match between rick martell and jake the snake roberts like when i find stuff like that out it blows my mind uh what were some of the stuff as you were researching it that you're like whoa i can't believe this Huh. And if it's not, I understand you've done so much, so nothing, you can't think of something that surprises you, but maybe even something that was fun. You're like, oh, wow, like you said, the Bulldog and Bret Hart had a match before. Like, who knew? You know, maybe, and, and so much of this is common knowledge now, but I'm talking about like 2002 or yeah. so, you know, when, when it's not so much. The fact that we had so many King of the Rings before the first pay-per-view. Yep. The fact that, you know, that was like an annual thing. Um the fact that we had a few Royal Rumbles before the USA special, mm-hmm. you know, that there was an actual house show in, in St. Louis. Um, what else? You know, anytime that they do a dry run of a, a WrestleMania main event, you know, in, in before modern times, when they would when they would throw out guys who are going to have a big match on a much bigger scale just a few months or a few weeks later and no one really knows about that much because they're just throwing that match out to, there to work out the kinks. Yeah, and I think too when uh, you're you're looking at some of these results and things like that, you're realizing that you understand why in shoot interviews when the interviewees are asking the wrestler like, "Oh, what about this survivor series?" and they're like, <laughs> "Um, I wrestled that guy 20 times, like it was just another another show." Right. And like I get you get it after looking back, but like you said back then, before all this context, like wait, wait, how could you not remember Hulk Survivor Series '92? Like, what's wrong with you? Type of thing. And, yeah, because they're on the road so many days, and and I remember um, Honky Tonk Man once did an interview about WrestleMania three, and they asked him like, how big a deal was that? Did you go out and celebrate after? And he said, no, it's just another night. We just went to the next town, which is insane. You know, well, like but, you know devil's advocate here i have not found what the next town was <laughs> i don't think they were working the next day but yeah yeah that kind that, of stuff that is insane i actually um had a guy on my show uh last year who attended wrestlemania 3 and he actually has some amazing photos i'll, I'll, I'll send him to you if you're interested in like 
one of a kind pictures of Hogan slamming Andre of um, a stare down of Macho Man Steamboat because his uncle brought an SLR camera with him to the stadium, which, you know, now everyone's got a camera phone, but then it was a big deal to bring him. So it's just crazy that Honky Talk Man thinks it's just another show. And this is just this landmark event for us as fans. Have you become jaded at all? Like by doing all this research, or are you still like fascinated by everything? Um, so I'm talking to you in my wrestling room of okay. the house. Me too. I'm in my <laughs> so. wrestling basement. I've got Coliseum videos and Rickson <laughs> figures and Hulk Hogan and Sports Illustrated looking at me. So I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So jaded. No, nothing. Not whatsoever. <laughs> okay. What about when you were first doing this, even when you've expanded more, where it's become notable, friends and family, like what have been their reactions to to your success? They're like my wife who teased me about liking wrestling so much. Or are they all or are they all about it? I think I think the wife is in awe that um, the hard work has gotten such attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, friends of mine who are close to the business, huge supporters. Um, friends of mine who are not close to the business, probably not even going to go deep into a conversation with that because they're not going to really understand. I get you. Because uh, we are so down the rabbit hole. <laughs> it is, but it's fun, though. I don't know. Everyone's yeah. got a thing, and this just happens to be our thing, and that's right. and that's okay. Right. We've Like I mentioned already, guys, go to his website, thehistoryofwwe.com. Search on Amazon for History of WWE to find all of his books. And if, if you want just like a coffee table book or something to flip through, uh, I, some people who are maybe intimidated by the size of them, it's not a novel, so you don't have to read it in order. You can pick up a random page and be okay with it, so don't be intimidated by that. Uh, I think the first time I even saw your book was in a secondhand store, and I was like, what is this? And I was flipping through it, and I was like, whoa, 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 this exists, and that's how I kind of found you and, and went from there. This was many years ago, but before I even had a show or a Twitter or anything. Uh, how did you get the word out about your original website? Like, what Was, was there a marketing? Were you on message boards? How did you get the word out about it? Um, I was on pretty much every major wrestling message board there was in the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. And a really good way to spread the word without having to spend much money is pop into a message board, post a link and say, hey, what happened the day you were born? Yes. Go find that show. Yes. And that was that was a real catalyst to get a lot more people paying attention to it, to get a lot more people uh, sending in stuff. Um, that was that, that really worked well. Um, so message boards, um, I would go to a lot of wrestling conventions. I was very lucky in the early 2000s or mid 2000s that I lived around North Carolina. So I would go to all the NWA Fan Fest in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that kind of stuff and word of mouth. And yeah, that was pretty much it. Does it ever kind of, do you ever sit back and go, I can't believe I'm this deep into it. Or you're just so far now. You're like, this is just my life. This is just my life. (laughs) Okay. I get get it. And, um, but but it is kind of awe inspiring to think about, you know, me being 11 years old, uh, going to blockbuster and, and renting, a ran, you know, Rampage 92 or SummerSlam 92. And now, hey, some of the people on those tapes know who I am. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And especially if you pop it in and and, and watch some of those old classic Coliseum videotapes. And it's got to bring back warm feelings every time you watch it. 
Absolutely. It's like, it's like uh, pizza and chocolate cake. It's great. Yep. And the same thing I talk about too on our show is the nostalgic, like the warm feeling you get. And I think uh, you talking today is going to, when people are listening to this, bring up a lot of feelings like, oh yeah, I remember that. Or that I remember this or that. And that's kind of, I think, what your website and your books do for people as well. So I encourage everyone to go check that out. Uh, before we wrap up here, do you got anything else you want to plug or, or talk about or any fun stories you want to share before we wrap up? You know, I, I'm really active on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I yep. I would love to do another book. I don't know when because it is such a time-consuming effort. Um, the, ba- the Baltimore book I worked on, I probably worked on that a solid year. And that was when I was largely unemployed for most of that year. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really time-consuming job to do it well. And I think I've, I've set the bar so high that I basically just have to quit my job to work on my next book. Um, but I would love to. And there's so many good ideas out there. Um, but, yeah, I'm just super active on Twitter. And I love to hear from folks. And... Um, I love the deep dive on Jim Crocker promotions that I'm doing right now. And it is so incredibly difficult to watch a random NWA show from the 80s or the 90s and try to figure out, one, where was this taped? And two, when was this taped? It is so much harder than the WWF. I'm noticing that now. Yeah, I mean, the WWF was such a machine with syndic- like there's so much out there, you know, with so much syndication and, and tapes and everything. It's 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 out there. It's just a matter of finding it. Right, and in NWA, so many of their tapings, it was so dark you could only see the first two rows. Mm-hmm. So good good luck trying to identify the arena. <laughs> I guess that's true. That's true. Uh, what about one more thing wrapped up? Uh, I know Jim, everyone knows Jim Cornette's got such a huge. Uh, wrestling territory information. Has there ever been any contact with him about trying to get some information from him, or has it been just doing your own thing? I, me and Jim go back. Jim, Jim wrote the foreword for my Crockett book. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there, we, we've, we've absolutely been in contact over the years. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, his, uh, his wrestling room shown on the dark side of the ring is like I want like them to pause so I can just like inspect everything on the walls but they never oh i've that. been there have I've you okay there. it's amazing <laughs> it's did you want to like stay there all day and like inspect everything like i would have i i once slept in that room oh man you're gonna make everybody jealous that's <laughs> amazing um uh, but really jim has so many cool stuff aside from wrestling you know he once told me that he bought pretty much every marvel comic from the 60s off the newsstand mm-hmm and put it in a bag. So, so he, he just got that somewhere? <laughs> but, or, I mean, he did several years ago. So he, <laughs> he, you know, his collection is far, far much more than wrestling. He, he just, I told him once that he should sell tickets to the door and give people a cookie and, and just give tours because it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've, he's got his, you know, his gimmick on the internet and his podcast, but I've met him before and he's been, always so welcoming and willing to chat it up with anybody that's a wrestling fan. So if he ever makes it back out to conventions, go, go say hi to him. My favorite uh, Jim Cornette story was when I met him at a ring of honor show and he wasn't, he was like refusing to take money for pictures or anything. Cause I think he was the head booker at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, someone outside the venue had was passing out million dollar, fake million dollar bills. And then when you read it, it basically said, 
you're going to hell if you don't accept God in your life and all that other stuff. You're going to hell. Uh-oh. So I said, Jim, would you sign my million dollar bill? It says everyone's going to hell. And he goes, well, I'll be, he's like, if there's one thing I'd be happy to do is sign the thing that says everyone's going to hell. And he signed it back to me. And, and it's one of my favorite little, uh, little niche things that I have. That's um, a good story. I like that. All right, guys. Again, you could follow uh, the history of WWE on Twitter. Also, you mentioned Richard Land. You could follow Richard Land at Masked Wrestlers. And the website's thehistoryofwwe.com. And search for that on Amazon for all the books and all the other fun stuff. And if you buy the book, tweet the history of the WWE and let them know what you think of it. Thank you so much, Graham, for coming on. It was a blast. And I really hope everyone enjoys listening to this as much as I did to talking to you about everything. Same. I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. I I used to do these with some regularity, but it's been in many years, so I, I greatly appreciate well, it. I mean, we were adults and in scheduling. We've been trying to schedule this for like several weeks, and it just keeps changing. We even changed up to a few hours ago. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad we got it aboard. And uh, thanks again for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And and speaking of your room, just the pictures that you've shown, mm-hmm. I I did use it as inspiration. Um, I've spent, you know, there's not so much you can do during a quarantine, right? Right. But, but since March, uh, I have pretty much built a, a three room wrestling cave. Love it. Uh, and the only thing missing is a VHS rack. Let me tell you, I found mine on Facebook marketplace. It took me years to find video store shelves mm-hmm. and I found them because the guy, I live in Chicago and the guy was up in Michigan and they were 20 bucks each. Oh, and, wow. But he, So he bought a building, and they were in the basement of the building. And it was a four-hour drive, and I don't have a truck. So I paid a coworker to go bet them for me who does side jobs. And he calls me. He goes, yo, these things are 200 pounds each. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so they're in my basement, and they are never, ever leaving. But they are legit video store shelves. So just keep at it. Just like you were looking for the 84 tape. If you want it, you will eventually find them. Just, just keep at it. They're, they're out there. Keep at it. Well, I guess, I guess my equivalent right now is I built a, you know, those, those, uh, magazine racks that you'll see in yes. waiting rooms. Yes. So I built one of those. I like it. I just uh, got in the mail today. Um, the year in review PWI from years 89 to 93. So I'm going to be mm-hmm. flipping through those tonight. That's going to be my evening. Cool. Graham. Love it. Loved you coming on. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Huge thank you again to Graham for coming on and taking the time to talk to us about his amazing website, his amazing books, all that stuff. Again, guys, if you've never checked out the history of the WWE.com, go do that. And if you have never picked up one of his books, do that as well. They are awesome coffee table books and just to kind of have and th- those matches you read and you put yourself in those arenas of these house shows where, you know, Jake the Snake's in the main event or Hulk Hogan's going to face off against King Kong Bundy or, or whatever. These matches you just haven't thought about in years or never knew existed. It'll put you right in that warm, happy place, right in that place that the PPW podcast tries to bring you each and every show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for all the support over our past few episodes. And we're going to keep them, keep them rolling with more content creator shows. And Eric's going to be back next week where we're going to talk about stuff that's never coming back. You know, that we're going to try to bring those warm feelings back that you know, in stuff like going to your favorite video store and searching for a new wrestling tape. That's never coming back. But 
You could always search the network, which is still awesome, but not quite the same. If you, uh, again, are a first-time listener of the show, head back in the archives, look up, look us up on iTunes, on SoundCloud, just search Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. We'll be there for you and have some fun wrestling nostalgia. And if you haven't heard episode 100 yet, go back and listen to that because of all the awesome listeners that sent in audio stuff and um, written stuff to us that made it one of my favorite shows we've ever done. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you soon.